Good morning, church. And good morning at home. I just have to say I'm going to ignore you guys for a moment. I just always forget that there's a camera on me, which is really weird to say out loud, but there is. And so for those of you watching online, please be interactive. Uh, Brandon Blue, Brandon Sky Blue is um, back on uh, the computers, cameras this morning, so he'll interact. Would you please say hi? I even have uh, my phone on. And what's the delay, Brandon? About seven seconds? Okay. All right. That's in case I say something wrong and he hits the button. Okay. Um, so please say hi if you're um, at home. And so we're just glad to be together. It is a pr privilege, absolute privilege, to gather in his name. I never want us to um, take, that, take that for just, I just want us to know that Every time we gather, every time we show up, every time we walk through the doors of this place, it's an absolute privilege from God to be able to gather and to connect with one another and then to connect with Him. Um, for those of you that stuck around last week for lunch, our Sunday lunch after church, it's getting fuller and fuller. More people are, more of you are sticking around. We're going to have to start buying more chicken. Um, but it was, it's just so fun to just sit back and watch everybody talking and connecting and sticking around. And I went back and was doing something. Put, I think I was doing the garbage. And I came in. And you guys were already putting tables away, stacking chairs, vacuuming. It was awesome. Next time, I'll just sneak out. <laughs> it is a privilege to be here. Yes, Tim, you are right. Hey, we're in Matthew chapter 5 this morning. So I encourage you to open up your Bibles. We are looking at the Beatitudes, the eight promises of God that are present for us right now. And so I'm just going to read them all to you instead of just read the one that we're going to focus on today. Eight present-day promises. These promises are for those of us today, even right now, who um, are willing to listen and obey. If you need a Bible, uh, we have Bibles. Andrea is always faithful to hold up a Bible and remind me that, hey, we have Bibles. I encourage you, I really do encourage you to open it up and actually hold the Word of God in your hand. I read all the time on my phone. But here's the issue with my phone. When I'm reading the Bible on my phone, there's always this temptation to think like, I wonder what the Mariner score is. And so I can just... <laughs> I can jump over on my app and check that out. Or I wonder, how much was those fence posts at Home Depot again? And so I can just jump over. But if I don't have my phone and I just have the Word in my hand, I have sticky notes to remind me like, of those things. And I can look that stuff up later. Okay? So we're in Matthew chapter 5. I encourage you to hold this book in your hand, a book that was printed 568 years ago. And it's still so relevant and so ready for us to be able to read it ourselves and to apply it. It's really important that we don't just read it, but we need to apply it. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Remember, this is Jesus speaking. He says, Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. What are some other words for mercy? Okay, forgiveness. This is our interactive part, church. Compassion. Grace. Kindness. Did I hear kindness? Okay. Understanding. Yes. Okay. Unconditional love. I'm repeating these for the people at home because when we get to these parts at home, everybody's like, I can't hear anything. So, what else? Words for mercy. Any other ones? Mercy is a gift, absolutely. Favor, yes. And deserve favor, which is grace. Compassion, lenience, charity, benevolence, clemency, goodwill, sympathy, favor, generosity, Forgiveness, gentleness, kindness, patience, or forbearance, and grace. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. This is going to go way back, probably back junior high days, high school days for me, way back. Anybody ever play the game Mercy? So, you, so some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. We could have like Adam versus, Adam versus Mitch for a game of Mercy right now. So mercy was like when you, um, and I don't even know, why do we do this stuff as human beings? But this is what, this is what guys in high school would do, okay? So you, so we're not going to play because you'll drop, take me to my knees, okay? So you do this, okay? And then you try to force your will, and I'm trying to push his wrist back. Or, yeah, that's the way. Or you, like, turn him upside down and, like, go. And he's hurting me already, and we haven't even started, okay? Mercy. And then the, the one who wins is the one who does not say mercy. And so when it hurts so bad, and I've seen people literally on the ground because it hurts so bad, they, then they yell out mercy. Super dumb. But anyways. <laughs> anybody play it? I mean, I used to. Okay. I just, <laughs> Randall, right. Okay. Game on. Okay. Uncle. So you had to say uncle. Interesting. Roman knuckles, okay. Well, you know the term uncle actually comes from all the way back in the Roman times. When you're screaming for mercy, they would say uncle. Um, I'm going to give you a little family history this morning. So I have two Roberts um, in my family. My brother-in-law is named Robert, and my brother is named Robert. Okay. So Josh and I, growing up, we'd always play, we'd wrestle, we'd do all kinds of stuff. I remember the last time I wrestled with my son, um, I think he was just out of high school. Um, Josh is six foot. Right now he's about 235. Um, 
solid muscle, um, and we had hardwood floors. Now, in my tennis shoes, even in my age, this is going back a ways, about 17 years, um, I could hold my own as long as I got low, and I, I don't even have to try to get low, okay? <laughs> and so, but if I could get underneath them, I could hold my ground with tennis shoes on. And for some reason, that day, in front of his friends, he comes home, hardwood floors, and we just start kind of doing the little jab. And all of a sudden, it was like, okay, we're full on here. All in love, I think, <laughs> at least from my perspective. And I could not get the leverage that I needed. And if you don't have the leverage in socks on hardwood floor, you just go for a ride <laughs> down a 20-foot hallway. <laughs> and at the end of the hallway, a door, a solid door. So he gets me, and I have no leverage at all, and he's just driving me down. I mean, football player, he's driving me down the hall, and he gets me to the end and gives me the little extra bump, just like, and kind of lifts me up and shoves me against that wall, which is a door. A solid door. Did I tell you that? <clears throat> it almost, it didn't quite, but almost knocked the wind out of me. Now he's, we're just, I think we're playing. <laughs> and I hit so hard, I jarred my whole body. You ever do that when your whole body gets jarred and it just, everything hurts for that moment or for the next couple days? And that's the last time I wrestled with him. But when he was little, see, I can talk about him today because he's not here, and it doesn't cost me any money, so if he's watching at home, um, when he was little, we'd wrestle all the time. And so we were wrestling one day, and I had him pinned. I mean, he's probably three, four years old. Had him pinned. Um, I had the leverage back then. And so, and that's, I grew up with uncle as well. And so I have him pinned on the ground, got him pretty tight, and I just start saying, say uncle, say uncle, and I'm squeezing him harder and harder, and he just busts out, Robert, <laughs> Robert. So I interpreted that as mercy, mercy. You know, when we get in situations ourselves, and there's times where we don't even know what to say. Sometimes our situations are so bad, and we don't even know what to say, but we look up, because that's where we think God is. So we look up and we say, Robert. <laughs> I actually just thought of, I have another Robert in my life now. My father-in-law's name is Robert. So if you're watching, hi, Sally, I know you're watching. Say hi to Robert. But do, don't we do that? We cry out for mercy. And I want you to know today that God hears us. He gives us mercy, but the expectation for those of us that follow him is that we would be givers of mercy as well. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. It's really important that we grasp that today. Mercy is for us, yes. Yes. But mercy is also for us to give away. 
Are we going to be people of mercy? When Jesus taught us how to pray, he got to the point where he says, God, your kingdom come. Father, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Sometimes we just read through that, we read through it, and like, yeah, okay, okay, let's move on. But when we're saying these words, Father, your kingdom come, we're crying out for mercy. Because another word for mercy is submission. That we're submitting to you, Jesus. That your kingdom would come. Not my kingdom. I don't want to build a kingdom. Because the stuff that we have this side of heaven, we're kind of joking around about that today, is garbage. Even the best of our best is garbage compared to heaven. And so we want his kingdom to come. We want, we should want, his will to be done. Not, God, I want to do these things, so would you just come along with me? God, would you come with me? I don't believe God works that way. (laughs) I don't think God fits in our pocket. He's not the one in the passenger seat. Carrie Underwood had it right. Jesus should be driving the car. He should take the wheel. He really should. And then we just go where he's leading us and where he takes us and where he drives us. Because where he's leading us and taking us and driving us is going to be way better than anything we can even think or imagine. Now, sometimes way better. (laughs) This side of heaven doesn't seem way better. But remember, we only see this much. And he sees the full picture. And what he's doing here, this side of heaven, is he's preparing us for heaven. And as believers in Christ, we're not only supposed to be personally preparing for heaven, but we're supposed to bring as many people to heaven as possible. And if we're going to do that, we have to be people of mercy. We have to be people of mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. To be merciful to those God brings in our way, brings our way, is something that is not as suggested, but it's something that we have to be doing. Any LaCroix fans in the house? Is that what that is? No. We all call it LaCroix. Yes. Who calls it La Croix? French. I am French. <laughs> La Roche is my last name. According to some of our youth, they think I'm Mexican because La. But I am French. French toast. I am toast. Who calls it La Croix? I think there's an age thing there. Well, maybe. I don't know. I'm looking around. Anyways, okay. We're all wrong. Anyways, here's LaCroix. I don't know anybody that really likes this stuff. I think there's people that like it. But I don't know anybody that like, oh, this is the best. Because the, even it says this is limoncello. Okay. It says naturally essenced. I actually think I, I like that. What just naturally essence. <laughs> I think what happens is they place a, li- if you've ever had one of these, they place a lemon on the conveyor belt. 
and then they just pass the can by it. <laughs> and it's naturally essenced by the lemon on the conveyor belt. I mean, it has a little lemon taste. I mean, I do like what it says here. It says zero calories, zero sweetener. Well, if you've had one, you're like, duh. <laughs> zero sodium equals innocence. <laughs> Who comes up with this stuff anyways? <laughs> I like the phrase naturally essenced, but if you've had one of these, they're actually pretty weak. They're pretty weak. And this week I heard about a church, locally actually, where they're, um, they've kind of taken on whatever you call that can. Lacroix, Lacroix. <laughs> I just can't say that, I'm sorry. Um, so they're so caught up in culture right now. This is a local church that they're saying that we want people to know about Jesus, but we really just want them to know about the essence of Jesus. And on the, yeah, exactly, what does that mean? And what they're doing is they're saying culture and how we are relating to people is more important than the Word of God. And so, they're kind of, they want to rewrite some of the Word of God so it'll adapt to the culture that we're living in now. And so for me, I could care less about essence. I mean, personally, I'd much rather have a Coca-Cola than whatever we want to call this can of stuff because it has a stronger flavor. It's obvious that there's something in it. And I want presence, not gifts. I don't want essence, but I want His presence. And the only way we're going to know His presence is if we're people of the Word. And if we're people that will preach His Word. Even in the culture that we're living in. Now, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. I believe that that is to us today, right now, as the church, are we people of mercy? Our culture is all over the place right now. I mean, I've been reading some stuff that the UN is behind right now. The United Nations. It's bizarre, backwards stuff when it comes to children and their rights right now. It's brutal. It makes no sense if you know his word. So we do need to stand up for truth, but we need to stand up for truth with mercy and with compassion and with love. The Apostle Paul says that unless we do it with love and with compassionate hearts, we're literally just a clanging cymbal. We're just a gong and nobody likes that. But if we share the truth of Jesus to those who are blind, and we pray that they would be able to see and experience His amazing grace. That's where we'll see change. We need to stand on the truth of God. Not rewriting this book, but letting this book rewrite our hearts and be Jesus to people today. Not be on judgment seats, but to be Jesus to people. I'm not saying inside the church that we're not supposed to be accountable to one another. 
Really important for that. But the Bible doesn't say that my neighbor across the street here, our neighbors across the street, that we're supposed to go door to door and give them a list. Hey, this is what you're doing wrong today. Check, get your life together and then meet us next week at 10 o'clock. We're supposed to be people of mercy. We're supposed to be people of compassion. If you look in your Bibles, you're in Matthew chapter 5, just after the Beatitudes, Verses 13 through 16, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. There's no essence about salt. It's obvious when you're salt. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town or a city built on a hill cannot be hidden And neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We're supposed to bring flavor everywhere we step. I love that. I love flavor. I had a little thing going on this week. I don't know if it's my sinuses or I had like this tooth infection thing going on and it affected my taste. That stinks. (laughs) I know somebody in here who struggles with taste. Um, That's probably one of the worst things for me. I'd rather have a bum knee than lose my taste because I like to taste. You um, You guys can see. But that's what we're supposed to be. Everywhere we go, we're supposed to bring flavor Salt is also used as a preservative, so, and Jesus knew that. So as we are salt, I believe that we also preserve those around us. Our families, our, our workplaces, that we are like their protection from things that can come in. Now, when you're at work, do you pray for your coworkers? When you're at work, do you pray that God would move in your office spaces? I hope you do. That's why you're there. God is paying you to be a missionary at your workplace. You're getting paid to work for God, for His kingdom. We're supposed to bring as many people to heaven as possible. It is supposed to be a party. Jesus described it multiple times. And the people that rejected the invitation, He says, then I want you to go into the streets. Go to the people that nobody would ever invite to a party and invite them. They'll gladly come because they, know they don't get invited. They'll gladly come. We need to be the people like that. This isn't a topic, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. We don't have to overthink this too much. It's pretty straightforward. If you want mercy, you need to show mercy and give mercy away. Turn over in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18. We're going to look at verse 21 through 35. So Jesus is teaching his disciples. He's in this parable mode here in Matthew. He says, as he's sharing and he's discussing just life with his disciples, Peter has a question. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, How many times shall I forgive my brother or sister 
who sins against me up to seven times? That's what the culture said. Okay? So Peter is like, okay, is that what I'm supposed to do? And Jesus responded, he answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Okay, that is, you just got to know the context. That is radical. They thought giving mercy and forgiveness seven times was a God thing, because seven is the perfect number. And then Jesus says, no, basically what Jesus is saying here, you're supposed to always forgive them. And then he says this, therefore, in verse 23, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts on his, with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all he had to be sold and to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. Be merciful to me. Uncle Robert. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him. Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. You notice he said the same exact thing that this guy said to the king. Verse 30. But he refused, and instead he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told the master everything that had happened. And the master called that servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I counseled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in his anger, handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Everybody says that Jesus' teaching was just, oh, it's so nice. It just makes you feel good when you read what Jesus has to say. This is pretty in your face. God is serious about forgiveness, so much so that he did something about it. We can't forgive ourselves. We can't have mercy on ourselves. Now, there's things that we can walk through, receiving his forgiveness and grace and mercy that will help us. Yes, we can't do that on our own. It is all what he has done for us. But forgiveness is a big thing. It's a tough one. First of all, admitting that I've done something wrong. I know some people don't like to sing Amazing Grace. They don't like to admit that they're a wretch. 
can we just change that word? That saved, I know some people that that saved someone like me. Okay. Same thing. Yeah, the guy who wrote that was a slave trader. He knew what it meant to be a wretch, to be wicked, to be walking the opposite direction of God. I believe he used that word intentionally. Because that's how he felt when he stood in the presence of God. But here's the thing. We can come in and feel that way like, wow, I have nothing to offer here. We can be like Isaiah in chapter 6. And we really experience the presence of God. Isaiah's response was, woe to me. I am unclean. But then he doesn't stop there. He receives what God has for him, and then he says, I want to go. I see the work that needs to be done. Send me. I'll go. I'll go do the work for you. Because it's not about building my kingdom. It's about building your kingdom. So admitting that there's something wrong in ourselves and then receiving his mercy and receiving forgiveness. Don't stop with the admission. Because I know people that they don't, they, they're not, they don't struggle with pride. They struggle with identity. And they always feel less than. They always feel that way. And as a believer in Christ, you are not less than. You are worth dying for. And Jesus did that for you. And so then you receive that. We have the admission, God, there's something wrong between you and me. There's something wrong in me. I need mercy. I need healing. I need fixed. Would you do that? And then forgiveness comes. Mercy comes. Grace comes. We need to be people who do that and have walked through that ourselves with Jesus, but also who extend that mercy and grace to people around us. People that we live with, the people that we're close with, our families, our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers, absolute strangers. We had a couple of people show up in our house this week cleaning our chimney and straightening it out, fixing it. And man, when they walked in, it was gruff. They were just there to do a job. And it was gruff. But I was just being me and having fun with them, and we were talking. And then by the time they're out there, it's like showing stuff on their phone. And we can be people who, when they, I mean, people sense that. When people are around us, they know if we're judging them or not. They also know if we're people of grace and mercy. Are we going to be that? I want to read some verses to you this morning. The Bible is full of verses on mercy. These are just some of my faves, but I, I ran out of time. I couldn't put, all, put them all up there, so I just have five. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees in Matthew. From the very early on, the Pharisees were out to accuse and condemn and kill Jesus. And so he constantly is talking about mercy with them. He says, go and learn what this means. He's quoting from uh, Hosea. He says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus also goes on to say, hey, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. 
It's those who are hopeless and who are sick that need somebody to come alongside them and care for them and bring healing to them. He desires mercy, not sacrifice. You can jump through every hoop and get out the end and like, ta-da! And if you didn't do it with mercy, he doesn't care. What's his desire? His desire is mercy. Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O mortal. We don't use that word anymore. That's a good word. Should we bring it back? Hello, mortal. You'll be tagged as the weird one, but bring it back. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Lamentations 3, 22-23, Ashley was talking about this this morning. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Grab onto that. Should know this verse, church. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. We don't really memorize verses much anymore. The older I get, the harder it is. This should be one on your list. I'll just say it. Write it down. Take out your phone. Screen shoot it. That's the best way to do it nowadays. And add it to the thousand pictures in your phone. But go back to it. Lamentations 3, 22 through 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Psalm 23, 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. For those of us that walk with Jesus, the wake that we leave behind, and I know some Christians that I look at their wake. I'm a boat guy. I'm into wakes, especially about three foot high, about 20 feet across, because then you can shoot across them and jump them. But the wake they're leaving behind is destruction. With their mouth, they say, yeah, I'm following Jesus. I'm walking with God. But you look at the wake. That means as they pass through, what is left behind? David says, what's left behind those of us that walk with God, it should be goodness and mercy. That should be what follows us all the days of our life. And when that's happening, when goodness and mercy is in our wake, we don't have to worry about things sneaking up on us. And if it does sneak up on us, it's going to be good and it's going to be merciful. If it does come back, if we look over our shoulder, oh, that's goodness, I'll take that. Oh, that's mercy, I'll take that. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. But because of His great love, God's great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that we have been saved. Whew. Ephesians 2. You want a good read? A six-chapter read? Read Ephesians. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. I want you to stand with me this morning.
Maybe some of you showed up this morning and you're like, I could use a little mercy today. I could use a whole lot of mercy today. Ephesians says God is rich in mercy. He has plenty for you, plenty for us. Hebrews says this, for we do not have a high priest, Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence. You don't have to come to him with your tail between your legs in shame, in condemnation, because the invitation is this. I want you for who you are, and I want you to come as you are. He will literally take care of the rest. What he's looking for is one who will say, Jesus, I come to you. And we don't have to, like, timidly come. We can walk upright in confidence knowing that when we do come to him, that we will receive mercy. And we will receive grace exactly when we need it. And maybe for some of you, you need it right now. The good news, it's available to you right now. You just need to ask. Boldly approach his throne of grace, and he will give it to you. And I couldn't help but, as I just read through and talked, and talked to myself all week long about mercy, to ask the question, so how am I doing in the area of showing mercy to people that are in my life? And so, since I feel God asked me that question, I want to defer a little bit as well, and I'm going to ask you that same question. How are you doing? Church, I'm talking to believers in Christ right now. How are you doing extending mercy to people in your life? And who in your life right now, and I just believe that the Holy Spirit will reveal it, needs mercy? Who right now in your life needs mercy? I just believe that that's our calling as the church. Is we're supposed to be just like our Father in Heaven. That people can approach us because we have Jesus to give away to them. We are Jesus to them. And they can receive mercy and grace. And so I just want to invite you this morning, whatever, wherever you're at, it might not have to do anything with this sermon, but God is just working in your heart. I just invite you to have a conversation with him. I mean, an honest conversation. Maybe it is around forgiveness. Maybe it is a personal thing about mercy for you. And maybe it's, I need to start living this. I need to be a verb here. Mercy is a verb. 
Merciful is a verb. It's action. It's active. It's something that we should be doing. I invite you to come forward for prayer this morning. If that's something that you need, that we are here for you, boldly approach His throne of grace. The altar is a great place to come and feel supported, to be cared for, to have somebody who would listen, and then for you to be lifted up in prayer. Jesus, this morning we're thankful that you are a God of mercy. That your grace is amazing. Lord, we don't want essence. God, we want your presence. And may we be salt. May we be light. Light cannot be hidden. Even in the darkest of the dark, light shines. May your light shine in us. And God, may your light shine through us that people would see you. That we'd be an encouragement to one another, but that we'd also have the opportunity to introduce people to you. with hearts of mercy, with hearts of compassion, with hearts of love and grace. Lord, as your church, I pray that you'd work in us. Your mercies are new right now. And because you love us and care for us, you are working in us. You're stirring us up to be more like you, to be like you. Help us, Jesus. In your name, amen. Invite you to come forward this morning for prayer before you go, if that's something that God's put on your heart and that you need. Um, you guys know my, my number. You have my email. You have Pastor Marcy's number and email. You have Pastor Jan's number and email. You have Annie's number and email. Um, you don't have to walk through this life all by yourself. We're here for you. God bless you.